The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back. It's Bill Leave, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Buffalo Bills-based podcast. My name is John Boccasino, being joined, of course, by Jamie D'Amico. We are so happy you joined us here on the podcast. It is AFC Championship Game Preview Podcast time, Jamie. We are talking Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. The Bills are one win away from their first Super Bowl appearance since 1993. Let me state that again. We unbelieve Buffalo Bills fans. Your team is in the AFC Championship game. Jamie, I had such high hopes for this year and this team, and I, I guess deep down I always knew this was possible. It just feels so damn surreal that the Bills are one win away from getting to the Super Bowl. To that end, I want to quote the great Van Miller, former Bills play-by-play announcer. Do you believe it? <laughs> Seriously. I I didn't. He, by the way, by the way, secret, secret little uh little not so deep uh knowledge I'm gonna drop here, but that's kind of the reason why we call our podcast Believe. Whoa. Mind blown on a Saturday morning, but continue. No, <laughs> I, I I get I get that all the time. They're like, uh, oh, we're trying to be clever and punny with the name of the podcast. And I'm like, well. We're giving a shout out to Van Miller here. So Van, rest in peace, you beautiful announcing God. Yeah, that was, oh my God. He was so good. And I, I know we're getting off track a little bit here, but that guy made games exciting. And as he got older, his his vision began betraying him. And, you know, that was difficult. But he, that especially the comeback against the Oilers in the playoffs that was the best play-by-play call I've ever heard in my life. The entire second half of that game, the dude was just a gem. And, you know, saying things like, well, if you're a Bills fan, you got to believe. And he was right. <laughs> and now we have a podcast. So thank you for naming this podcast, Believe. Hats off to Van Miller. Anyway. You got to honor the man, the myth, the legend, and we're doing our very small part we can here with the name of the podcast. But you had some really insightful commentary I thought you were going to drop on us about the season and the Bills being in the AFC title game. What uh, What's on your mind, good what sir? What I am going to say is I didn't believe that this was something that the Bills could pull off this season. I, I did not think that we would see them advanced beyond the divisional round. Uh, of the playoffs. I thought at the beginning of the season, the goal, the goal for me was twofold. I was going to be happy if the bills won in the first round of the playoffs and two, Josh Allen became a top 15 quarterback. I was going to say, Hey, it doesn't matter. All I'm looking for is the bills to continue building on what they did last year. I don't care how far they go. As long as they build on that. Well, my expectations are blown out of the water. John, let me put this in perspective for all the listeners. Should the Bills win this game, 
in two weeks, they will be playing in the Super Bowl. Like, let that sink in for a second. Here is a team that had a quarterback, and it's a quarterback-driven league, who one year ago threw for under 60% of of his passes were completed. Under 60%. He was the worst. He had the worst completion percentage in the NFL amongst starters. Now he's and he had improved by eight and he had improved by like eight percent from his rookie year. So, I mean, he had made tremendous strides in the microcosm of season to season, getting an eight percent spike in completion percentage. And still he was the worst in the league. I get your point. I mean, that's that's mammoth to think of the strides that Josh has taken to. He has surpassed Patrick Mahomes in the MVP race. I mean, Honestly, I think what what Aaron Rodgers has done has been remarkable, and he has a chip on his shoulder from the Packers drafting Jordan Love at the end of the first round. Um, you know, he's he's pissed off. He's playing like a man on a mission. But you expected Aaron Rodgers to go for forty seven touchdowns or whatever he had this year. Find me one person outside of the most rabid Bills fan who said, you know what? Josh Allen is going to pass for 4,500 yards, complete 69% of his passes, have 35 passing touchdowns, and break Jim Kelly's hallowed records for single-season marks. You'd be kidding me if you found a fan like that because that's just how much of an exponential leap that Josh has made in this third year. You couldn't have seen this coming, and I I am thrilled. We are playing with house money. Honestly, are, are we not? We are sitting here looking at a team that blew expectations out of the water. Now, as the season continued, expectations began increasing as the winds mounted. You got to a point during the season where you said, AFC championship or bust. And I'm sitting there going, I'm just happy to be here, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's true. You know, I I definitely, I remember, for me, the moment when it all clicked were like, but and I, I'm going to take a page out of the Deion Dawkins playbook too. I think the moment that I realized that Buffalo had the potential to go this far and at least get to the AFC title game, where that was again, like you said, AFC Championship game or bust, was actually the loss to the Cardinals. And what I'm saying by that was you looked at how Josh Allen engineered a beautiful fourth quarter, two-minute drive, the go-ahead touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs. Buffalo looks like they're going to pull out a win when they, in all likelihood, should have lost that game in Arizona. And then, of course, it takes Mario Addison completely whiffing on the play where he should have stayed on his feet instead of lunging after Kyler Murray. That allows Murray to have a couple extra seconds, put all his weight behind the throw. DeAndre Hopkins outleaps three. You know the story. And the Bills lose on the Hail Mary play. Buffalo has not lost since that day. It's been an eight-game winning streak. And every time Buffalo plays, they're getting better and better in an area of the game that I was concerned about. And I look at last week's game against the Baltimore Ravens. And we'll touch on this for a little bit here, Jamie. But I love the fact that Buffalo... Their defense, there is no more chatter about the Buffalo Bills defense being what's holding back this team. That defense saved the team. Taron Johnson's earthquake-inducing 101-yard pick six when the Ravens were driving to tie the game in the third quarter. I mean, like, how much more can you ask out of your defense? And I know, look, I was nervous the first quarter last week because – The Ravens were gouging the Bills and gashing the Bills with the run defense. And then all of a sudden, it was like Leslie Frazier said, you shall not pass. And the run game (laughs) wasn't able to do diddly squat. You know, the... You can poke a hole in what the Bills have done. And there's an argument to be made that they're not ready yet. And the reason is the C word. The C word that they love using across the pond in the UK is very common over there, but consistency is something that they seem to be lacking. You know, you saw a good defensive performance against the Ravens. You saw a bad defensive performance against the Colts in which the Colts gifted the Bills an awful lot on defense, dropped passes, bad game management. 
Missed field goals. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've seen that going around lately, haven't we? Um, missed field goals. But how, I, I, before you move on, I, I do want to touch on that consistency uh, part of it. I don't know. I, I mentioned this during the podcast last week. I'm a big believer in your close calls, the games that you should have lost, but you find a way to win strengthening the team. And I really feel like if we could have gone inside the locker room and gotten the real Jerry Hughes talk, Micah High, Jordan Poyer, they all the veterans were probably like, yo, we had this game. We should have lost it. Thank goodness we didn't. Let's not let this happen again. And I think that's exactly the type of act that can build a team and bring them closer together so that they realize, man, this is a special special season that the bills are going on. And to your house money point earlier, I totally get it. The bills are playing with house money, but at what point does playing with house money go from, Oh, well, you know, we're just, we're just lucky to be here to damn it. We have the earned the right to be here. We're going to be confident and go after this and not just let something happen to them, but take control of their destiny. And this is the best opportunity that Buffalo has had of all their playoff teams by far to make a deep run in the playoffs. And the bills are fulfilling that. So look, they've got a very tall task on Sunday. We're going to get to the breakdown of the X's and O's, but I feel like at some point house money turns into, it's just your money and you're comfortable doing whatever you want to do with it. So let the chips fall where they may. And I feel like the bills are going to be a loose, confident bunch going into the game on Sunday. You always have some games stolen from you like that Cardinals game. And you always steal some games. That's just how the NFL works. And good teams are able to steal games more often than they have games stolen from them. And that is a, it's definitely pointing in the direction of the Bills being a good team. You know, one of the things they look at in baseball is your record in one-run games to predict which teams are going to improve and which teams are going to get worse the following season. So the teams that win the most one-run games are most likely to regress the following season. And, you know, you have the opposite with the teams that lose the most one-run games. The Bills may have stolen one in the first round, they could have had one stolen from them this past week against the Ravens, but they didn't. They played tough in that game. The defense came alive, and, and that was a wonderful thing to see. And with this Bills team, when they commit to doing one thing well in a game, they generally do it. When they decide that they want to stop a specific running back or the run game in general, they stop the run game. The thing that concerns me going into Kansas City is that they can both pass and run, and the more balanced offense we've seen, like against the Colts, it can keep them off balance. So you have to wonder, what is Leslie Frazier dialing up this week? Well, you're right. I mean, it's 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 one of those things where the, the Chiefs present a, okay, you know what? You choose. Pick your poison. And we saw that in week six when the Bills focused solely on taking away uh, the passing game, the vertical threat of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and the Chiefs ran for 245 yards, and Clyde Edwards-Elair had a buck 60 and a couple of scores, and it was an ugly game. But there's a caveat and an asterisk that goes with that because Matt Milano did not play at all, and he is proving to me, he's making me eat my words because he has become not only must sign, must resign, must bring back, I, he is such a key cog on this defense for their ability to contain and stuff the run that with him in there, this is not the same bills team that lost by nine points on that rainy day in week six. They have come leaps and bounds with their defense. And we're going to get to that coming up here in our preview, but I want, I know we're bouncing around a lot, Jamie, there's a ton of ideas. I'm on my third cup of coffee. So I'm kind of <laughs> wired here, but you oh, mentioned the, and it's dangerous for our bills. Fans well, hold on there. before you move on. I, I do want to ask a question. You said that Milano has you eating your words. What words are those? I had said during the offseason, I was adamant that if you could only choose one, the Bills re-signed Deion Dawkins over Matt Milano. And I said I liked Matt Milano a lot, but I thought he was somebody who the Bills could find another Matt Milano as. And Matt Milano was not coveted coming out of Boston College. I mean, he was a no. fifth-round pick. He was 
barely uh, an afterthought uh, amongst the draft pundits when it came to linebacker help. I am completely, I mean, look, I still want Deion Dawkins over Matt Milano if I had to choose one of the two. But now that Deion has been, my, my point was, Dion is invaluable. You need that blindside protector. He is locked up. Matt Milano makes this Buffalo Bills defense go as far yep. as, I mean, not taking anything away from Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, two of the best safeties in the league. And obviously Trey White is a lockdown corner out there. But if you take Matt Milano off of this Bills team, they lose that game to the Colts in the wild card round. I'm sorry, Definitely. they do. There's no doubt yeah. about it. So they're making me eat my words in the fact that I didn't think Matt Milano was as valuable as he is proving to be uh, during this eight-game winning streak. Okay. I'm glad you refreshed my memory there. Well, we've had a lot of conversations, buddy, when it comes to our podcast. We've been doing this for quite a while now. And I, I know I, I say a lot of things and I try to back up and have the receipts for when I'm right. And I will own up to when I am wrong as well. And I definitely was wrong on that, on that Milano comment. Now, you had mentioned, though, earlier about the Chiefs and the Bills and the one-score game and the, comparing it to the one-run game uh, philosophy in baseball of, you know, is a team really good or are they clutch or are they lucky when it comes to winning, you know, those close games? The Kansas City Chiefs have had a problem closing out opponents. Now, the last win that they had that was by more than one score, you have to go back to November 1st when they routed the Jets 35 to nine in a game that was pretty close at halftime. And then Kansas city just really realized, Hey, we're the chiefs and they're the jets. And they put on the afterburners and bye-bye jets. I'm going to read to you, Jamie over the last seven wins that Kansas city has had. They have all come by one score. They've won by two points, four points, three points, six points, six points, three points, and three points. And that last win against the Falcons, they should have gone to overtime. I don't know how the Falcons kicker missed that field goal at the end of regulation. The Chiefs hang on to win. And, you know, look, it's all in the past. But my point being, these teams that Kansas City has been beating, they have not been beating them by a ton of points like the Chiefs of old. And the wild or the divisional round game against the Browns was a five point victory where Chad Henney had to come in and save the day with a crazy 14-yard scamper, uh, setting up a fourth-down conversion. I mean, you know, you're winning with Chad Henney in the AFC Divisional round. Are you kidding me? I mean, I was hoping Cleveland was going to win that game so that Buffalo could host the AFC title game here up on Sunday. But my, my, my point being, these Chiefs are not blowing teams out of the water like we are accustomed to them doing from last year and the year prior. And... Buffalo has been Buffalo yes. has been taking care of business. And I think a lot has to be said for that when it comes to the confidence that comes from not only saying you're going to do something, but doing it, inserting and, and uh, enforcing your will, imposing your will on the opposition. That's deflating. If it's like, you know what? We're going to run the ball. You know, we're going to run the ball and there's nothing you can do about it. The Bills have been beating opponents from their bye week through the end of the season by an average of slightly over 19 points a game, almost three touchdowns. But going back to the Chiefs, do you think they're bored? And I ask if they're bored. I don't have the numbers directly in front of me, but Pat Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has a substantially higher QBR when the team is tied or losing than when the Chiefs are winning. Does that tell you that the team isn't necessarily locked in unless they have something to play for? Are their heads getting really big and they know how good they are? And let's not take anything away from them. They are a great team and they very well could be on their way to be in the next dynasty in the NFL. That's what happens when you have a great young quarterback who's going to be around for a long time and a really good coach as Andy Reid is. But are they bored? It, is Andy Reid getting them ready to play? Is there a chink in that armor that is primed to be defeated in the championship game? I ask you, John Boccasino, what say ye? That's a very interesting question that you're posing about the, are the Chiefs bored? I, I would find it hard to believe, you know, Andy Reid's a player's coach. From everything you read, he's not a disciplinarian. He lets the guys have their personality. I mean, he's a fun-loving dude. 
I find it hard though, to believe that he, you know, and I'm not saying it's a knowing, uh, and I, I know you're not saying it's knowingly that the chiefs are kind of like, Oh yeah, we're going to coast and we're not going to put out our best foot forward when it comes to the teams week in and week out. But I would find it really hard to believe that they wouldn't be playing their best. I think honestly, what it is, is a lot of the league has caught up to what the Chiefs are doing, what the Chiefs have been trying to do. Now, think about this, Jamie. The Chiefs are, again, a phenomenal force of nature on offense. But what do they really do that confuses and puts up a ton of points in a hurry? You've got the fastest human being in the National Football League outside of DK Metcalf, and and Tyreek Hill is faster than DK Metcalf, I should clarify, what does Tyreek Hill do so well? He gets behind the corners. He gets on those long fly patterns, and then Mahomes chucks up the ball to him, and he basically cannot overthrow Hill because any deep ball he puts up there, Hill has a great chance to catch it. So, okay, that's great. They have a speedster who can go deep and catch the fly patterns. He's also lethal on crossing patterns. Deep crossing patterns, uh, 10 to 15 yards downfield, especially if he lines up in the slot and is in man-to-man coverage. He's almost impossible to run with. Absolutely. I mean, he he is a matchup nightmare for sure. And you're right, those crosses, those deep slants. I mean, if your guy gets picked, if your guy hesitates as to where he's going to go on his assignments, if you're playing zone, I mean, you know, he's going to pick you apart. He's going to find the holes all day long. But there's enough tape out there that I think a smart coordinator like Leslie Frazier, who basically took Hollywood Brown out of the game uh, on on Saturday night in the AFC divisional round and who basically made the the Colts wide receivers a non-factor outside of the tight ends the wide receivers really I mean Pittman had a good first half and he didn't do squat in the second half Leslie Frazier has seen enough tape to know how to slow down how to stop Tyreek Hill in my humble opinion and I feel like the Bills have such a deep defense they have so many talented players that they can put in their zone looks to and and look we're going to get into how you attack Patrick Mahomes here's a hint the answer is you don't blitz him like crazy nope do not bring the house if you do man good luck it's going to be a rough game on on Sunday night but I don't know to me I'm more worried about Travis Kelsey than I am Tyreek Hill when you talk about matchup nightmares Travis Kelsey has he lit the league on fire this year second in the league in receiving yardage and had 67 receptions set records for tight ends on both fronts had a ridiculous season he's big he can move and how do you cover him you use a defensive back he's going to overpower them go over the top you use a safety or linebacker they can't run with the guy and oh by the way he's really good at finding the seams in the middle of the field he uses his size to box out the defenders and he's got great hands there there's nothing the guy can't do as a tight end and it's 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 really infuriating they even use him on screens which is something you rarely see in the nfl a tight end screen are you kidding me but they they do that they do shovel passes to the guy behind the line of scrimmage he is an absolute weapon. And then when you combine him with Patrick Mahomes, who can roll out if there is if there is pressure, he can get outside and he can run. Now, seems to have an issue with his toe. Does that mean he's going to be staying in the pocket more often? Huh. Something to think about. Yeah, there's so much to react to, Jamie, in that insightful nugget you dropped on us. And I want to start off with Mahomes and we'll work our way backwards and we'll go through the matchup with Kelsey and who should line up against him or what coverage the Bills should do. And and by the way, again, if you go back to that week six matchup, Tyreek Hill was not the reason that Kansas City won that game at all. Tyreek Hill, again, he's a phenomenal receiver. Uh, he's a great deep threat. He's a great crossing slants guy. He, he can easily uh, burn a team deep. When the Buccaneers gave up 200 yards to him in the first quarter, it was like, why aren't they doing something differently? Why aren't they doubling? Why aren't they putting help over the top? But Bruce Arians, you know, he got gouged by that. And uh, and 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 it was, a, it was an awful awful performance. But in that week six game for the bills, Hill had three catches for 20 yards. 
That's it. Three catches for 20 yards. Now, Mahomes was 21 of 26. He had two touchdown passes. Um, but again, it was more Clyde Edwards, Elaire running wild, 26 carries for a buck 61. Josh had his worst completion percentage game of the year. Uh, he had his lowest passing output total with 122 yards. He completed only 52% of his passes, averaged only 4.5 yards per attempt. So that and that game still, it was a nine-point game, but the Bills were right there in the fourth quarter on a game when they were missing Matt Milano. They were missing Dawson Knox. Um, they were there, there were there were so many differences between that game. Uh, with there were there were other things that were you know um, Trey White was was a game time decision. I know he was kind of um, he wasn't at a full strength for that position. Tremaine Edmonds was hobbled. Uh, he wasn't there um, uh, at full strength either. So I take a lot of solace out of the fact that a lot has changed since that week six performance when it comes to this game on Sunday. The biggest change was jo- has been Josh Allen, though. I was watching clips from that game in week six. Josh Allen was a completely different quarterback, and I'm not talking about his performance. I'm talking about his mechanics. Watching that game, he looked like Josh Allen from a year or even two years ago where his feet were never going in the right direction. He was throwing off balance. He was throwing off the wrong foot. He was striding in the wrong direction. He just didn't have his base under him the way you need to to be a successful quarterback. And to his credit, the way he has been since then has been far more mindful uh, of his lower body. And I'm sure the coaches got with him. Brian Dable, who thank God is going to be with the Bills for yet another season after he got turned down for that job with the uh, with the Chargers. Thank you so much, Chargers, for making a questionable decision, but making life much better for us Bills fans. You could tell Brian Dable, Ken Dorsey, they got into his ear, probably even Jordan Palmer, the coach that he works with in the offseason probably got in his ear and said, Josh, look at the tape. Where are your feet facing? Where are your hips? Where where is your front shoulder? Not going in the right direction. This is what you need to do to be successful. And to his credit, Josh Allen must be one of the most coachable players in the NFL because if self-scouting is a thing, he does an awful lot of it because you tend to not see him repeat mistakes too often. Now, there, there are the times when he gets excited and you know they talk about sugar high Josh Allen. He is settling that down. But when it comes to either making reads or mechanical changes, the guy does it. And that's a huge credit to, to somebody like that because how many guys would be drafted seventh overall and say, I don't need to listen to you. I've done it this way before. I've always been successful. You are not going to tell me a damn thing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Josh is is one of the most coachable superstars that has to be out there in the league. And a lot of credit does go, like you said, to Jordan Palmer and Ken Dorsey and Brian Dable. And I want to second the hallelujah is coming down from the rafters that Dable is going to be back in Buffalo in 2021. I'm so happy that Buffalo gets to benefit off of the blunders of the Chargers and the Texans and other the Jets out there, other teams that could have gone after this guy. Uh, thankfully, he is coming back. All reports indicate for 2021, but no. So again, there's so this, this podcast, I feel like I've had notes I've taken when you've said something and wanted to go back to it a thousand times because you keep hitting me with really, you know, good information here. I agree entirely that Josh Allen is a great self scouter and somebody who's good at watching the tape and improving where he needs to improve that chiefs game. One of the things he did that was so poor uh, towards his performance and towards the team's performance was he reverted back to rookie year Josh leaving the pocket prematurely trying to scramble uh, if he didn't have his first read open and not clearly seeing the field for who was open downfield because there were plays to be made in that game that Josh left on the field. Now, not all of that goes on him because I want to say, Jamie, one of the biggest pleasant surprises for me with this Buffalo Bills team has been how well the offensive line has gelled, especially since week 13. But this offensive line is entirely different 
as to who is starting. John Feliciano was not active. He was still nursing that pec injury when these teams met up in week six. Since the Bills rolled out this starting five of left tackle Deion Dawkins, left guard Ike Bucker, center Mitch Morse, right guard Feliciano, and right tackle Daryl Williams, the Bills have been a different animal on offense. Josh has had so much more time to identify, to find the open receivers. It's helped so much with those cover zero schemes that teams like to do against Josh last year, which we covered very well on the podcast last week, how he has torn those apart eight touchdowns and no picks against the cover zero this year when he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league against that scheme in 2019. This is all to me, Jamie, building up to Sunday because Steve Spagnolo is one of the brightest defensive minds in the game, and he has one of the most versatile weapons at his fingertips in the honey badger, Tyron Matthew, who is to me that matchup of Josh versus the honey badger and wherever he gets lined up, he can line up in so many different positions. He can be a linebacker who is basically, you know, charged with going wherever he sees the play folding out and pursuing it as he sees fit. He can be a deep safety. He can bracket and take on Stefan Diggs one-on-one. He can blitz and come off the edge and cause problems for Daryl Williams or Deion Dawkins. He can handle himself in the slot against a guy like Cole Beasley What Spagnolo does to deploy Tyron Matthew and how Josh Allen responds to those unique coverages, that to me is my number one matchup I cannot wait to see unfold on Sunday because if Josh is truly the MVP candidate that he has shown to be over the last 9-10 games of this season – The Bills can take advantage of that because Josh will know, oh, Honey Badger's blitzing. There's an opening on the left side. I'm going to find Diggs running on a a deep deep curl, or I'm going to find Cole Beasley operating out of the slot. If Josh reverts back to week six form where he struggles with those types of confusing looks, it could be a long day on Sunday. Steve Spagnuolo is going to throw a lot at number 17 this week. For those of you who don't know, number 17 is Josh Allen. Just, <laughs> just so those, parenthetical documentation right there. He's he's number 17 in your in your roster in your program, but number but one number in your hearts. In your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Love stealing that line from the classic public address announcer at any high school sports game. Right. <laughs> you would be a great PA announcer. Why, thank you, my friend. I, I prefer the the podcasting route here, but if I ever am in need of work and high schools are allowed to play again, I will throw my hat in the ring for a chance to land a PA job. But just to get back to the talk about the defense and, and Josh Allen and, and Steve Spagnolo, what are your thoughts, Jamie? Because you, you, you've got some really good expertise when it comes to, again, you know the different defensive schemes that coaches can try to bring to slow down Josh Allen, to throw him off his rhythm. And I know the Chiefs defense is more than just Tyron Matthew, but what are your thoughts on that preliminary uh, matchup that we mentioned of the Honey Badger against Josh Allen? And especially if Brashad Breeland is not at 100%, which it does not appear to be that he will be fully healthy for this matchup, that's another big blow for this Chiefs secondary. It's going to be the type of defense where you're not going to necessarily know at the snap or pre-snap what the Chiefs are going to be running. They're going to disguise. They're going to bring Tyron Matthew up to the line of scrimmage or shallow like he's covering uh, Beasley man-to-man. And the next thing you know, he's going to sprint backwards and lo and behold, he's going to be playing in a two-deep zone. Um, they, they're going to mix up the man-to-man and the, and the zone coverage. Josh Allen is better against man-to-man coverage, but especially if you have Breland out of the game, they're going to try to cover for that a little bit by mixing in a lot more zone because it seems to work against Josh Allen. The other thing that's going to happen, it has been shown that you can spook Allen. He doesn't always know where the blitz is coming from. And he's gotten much better at that as the season has gone on. But you are certainly going to see some exotic and strange blitzes. You're going to see the cover zero where everybody blitzes. It's just an all-out blitz. Anybody who's not covering somebody man-to-man, they go after the quarterback. Now, in week six, one of the reasons Josh Allen played so poorly 
is he was seeing ghosts, as they say. He would, when you said he was leaving the pocket early, it's because he was feeling pressure that wasn't even there. That's because Spagnolo had him confused. Now, I think Dable has probably coached him up pretty well since then. You know, instead of paying so much attention to the pre-snap look, I think Josh Allen has gotten better at seeing what's happening immediately at and post-snap. When he sees that safety who's up in the box, all of a sudden take off sprinting for the defensive backfield, he knows, aha, this is not a single high safety. This is uh, this is a two deep. Here's the the receiver I should be looking for. Or should I bail on the play completely? You see Josh, you can hear it in the broadcast all the time. He gets up to the line of scrimmage and he yells, alert, alert, alert. That means he's changing the play. And then you'll see the defense move around again. And he says, reload, reload. That means go back to the previous play that was called, the one that was called in the huddle. So he's able to play the mental game uh, against defenses. But Spagnolo, he's been a head coach. He's been a defensive coordinator for a long time. The Chiefs are not in this position because they have a dummy of a defensive coordinator. That is not the case whatsoever. So at the line of scrimmage, make sure you know where Tyron Matthew is lining up and where he's going to be. Don't go that direction. He's a great athlete. He's a ball hawk. He can do a little bit of everything, but that's the key. Know where he's going to be on every play. And I would like to think, Jamie, that the again, the continuity of the offensive line that was not there in week six will definitely help to give Josh, you know, much more time for his pocket awareness. And, you know, we're not going to see skittish Josh throwing off of his back foot or having the rushed mechanics like Josh is ready. And and I, I think one of the things that shows me the greatest confidence that Josh is ready for this challenge is last week. Now, on the surface, Josh did not have the greatest game. It was a 25 to 30 mile an hour swirling winds at the stadium. And yes, he was misfiring his passes, but Josh is so confident in himself that he knows, okay, you know what? I can throw through this wind. I can find the open receiver downfield. And I think that confidence is going to come back and really be a beneficial thing against the Chiefs because the Bills need to play this game like they need to get to 35 points to win. That to me, this is not one of those things where if Buffalo wins a game, they're not going to win it unless there's a crazy amount of fluky plays and defensive turnovers. Like I see Buffalo, Buffalo needs to get into the 30s, high 20s, low 30s to win this game. And Josh is going to have to be aggressive but calculated. And that's why I think to me, Jamie, my biggest X factor for this Bills team coming into the game on Sunday is getting Cole Beasley involved. I still don't understand how Beasley takes a donut last week in the AFC divisional round, does not catch a single pass from Josh Allen. I know it was windy, but the Bills were throwing the ball so much, you would have thought that those shorter passes would have been the ones that led to success when it came to getting the passing game going. And the Bills have a good matchup advantage with Cole Beasley against the rookie, Legereus Sneed. Uh, in the slot. Sneed is impressive. He's definitely a good cover guy, but with what Cole does with those really fast, rapid movements off of the line of scrimmage in his route running, that's Beasley's biggest strength. And I really feel like the Bills have a good advantage to take of this matchup here with Cole versus Legereus Sneed in that Buffalo can exploit that vulnerability on Sunday. The Ravens have one of the best nickelbacks in the NFL, and Cole Beasley is not playing 100%. The guy's still, he was still limping last week. So the combination of the very cold weather, the uh, the bad knee, and the great cover man put on him, I, I can see how it would happen, but they're going to need him. They're, they're going to need all hands on deck to play against the Chiefs. And I think that you make a great point when you say that's the matchup because they're going to roll their coverage to Stephon Diggs. That's what's going to happen. Against the Bills from now on, every team is going to try to take away Diggs because if you take him away, what's left? John Brown hasn't been great. Dawson Knox drops the ball. Cole Beasley's been really good, but he's injured. So, you know, what what is left? Well, if you if you have a healthy Cole Beasley, I think that's a great matchup for the Bills because one of the weaknesses of this Kansas City defense is their linebackers. 
Now, they typically play in a nickel defense, but you're going to be able to get those short crossing patterns. They're, they're going to be open. Dawson Knox is going to come open. Devin Singletary, TJ Yeldon out of the backfield. They're going to be able to get open against these guys. Um, but when you're talking about matchups that I'm looking at when it comes to the Chiefs defense, I'm looking at their all-world defensive tackle, Chris Jones, going up against the center of the Bills line. Now, Butker has really come a long way over the course of the season. He was a weakness when they put him in the lineup. He's not anymore. He is now a solid pass blocker. But Chris Jones was number two in the NFL in quarterback pressures with 43, and that coming from a defensive tackle. Um, uh, Pro Football Focus ranks him the number three defensive lineman in the NFL. They're going to have their hands full. This is going to be... This is going to be probably, this will definitely be the best defensive tackle that the Bills have seen since they played Aaron Donald in the Rams early in the season. Um, so what are they going to have to do to contend with that guy? I don't know. Are, are they going to leave Devin Singletary in the block a little more frequently to try to help out on him? Are they going to try to do the double teams? Um, but really, outside of him and Tyron Matthew, this defense doesn't scare me. So now it's up to Brian Dable to scheme players getting open. We know the Bills can't really run the ball. The Chiefs are vulnerable against the run. They rank, according to football outsiders, 31st in the league against the run. But the Bills don't run well. The Bills are not a running team. They're a passing team. Are they going to try to sprinkle some more of it in? It's probably a good week to try to do that, to try to at least reduce risk on some of the passes that are out there. I don't think you're going to see a repeat of last week when the Bills won a game despite having three rushing plays in the first half. One of those, a kneel down, one a run by Singletary, and one a run by Josh Allen. I think the Bills the have to Dermot find a way. didn't like that at all, did he? That you can't like that. I mean, you cannot, even though you won the game, the Bills, one of the look, and and I want to segue to Patrick Mahomes and the offense, but my last thoughts on Buffalo's offense versus the Chiefs defense. And Chris Jones, you're right, is a complete matchup nightmare. But think about who is no longer in the rotation for this game. Brian Winters, barring injury, will not be seeing the field. It's going to be Feliciano. I like Mongo against Chris Jones, or it's Ike Bakker who's going to be lining up against Chris Jones. And Jones is a freak. Uh, he's a freak of nature athlete. He can really take advantage of your bad technique. But I really, I have a lot of faith that Feliciano is going to get inside the heads of these Bills linemen, and especially Botker, give some pointers for how to handle the bull rushing abilities of Chris Jones. And I think that the Bills can take him out of the game without having to solely dedicate Singletary or Yeldon to being a second uh, assist, if you will, when he comes disrupting up the middle out there. So I like Feliciano. I like his chances to win this matchup. And I also feel like you hit this earlier on the head. This is the week we're going to see. Yeah, the Bills have to run the ball more. There's no doubt about it. But they also, I want to see Devin Singletary with four or five catches out of the backfield. I want to see TJ Yeldon doing those angle routes, those screen patterns in the flat. They need to get the backs involved because that is an area where Buffalo can really take advantage of the Chiefs linebacker play with those quick passes to the running backs, the draws up the middle. I think that the Brian Dable is going to have a good game plan focused around getting these Bills backs involved in the offense. It has to be. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, you know, Sean McDermott actually made the statement that when it came to passing the ball, the Bills got carried away last week. That tells me he sat Brian Dable down and said, don't do that again. Give, give him a good firm finger wagging John Bacchino. <laughs> no, that's a bad, bad Brian Dable. He must run the ball more. <laughs> you ro rolled up a newspaper and hit him on the nose with it. <laughs> I love, I love the visual you've painted there. And uh, <laughs> now, now, now you mentioned this about Patrick Mahomes and I, I'm glad that we're segueing to Mahomes because we've gone 44 minutes on this podcast and really haven't dived, uh, delved too deeply into Mahomes yet. We've talked about him a little bit, but 
the biggest thing for me is I, I, we, Jeff, there's some great people at Buffalo rumblings who were, were scouring the, the, the reports of injuries. And as much as Mahomes was in the concussion protocol, it more was, I wasn't worried about him having a concussion because it seemed like he was more choked out during the game. His head really never hit the ground in any vicious, violent kind of way against the Browns. It was more of a, he lost he was a little bit woozy because of getting, again, choked out uh, on the hit uh, against Cleveland. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I am more worried about Mahomes' foot and his toe, specifically the case of turf toe that it seems he could be dealing with, which if you watch some of the replays from the Chiefs highlights against Cleveland, he is favoring that left foot and that left toe, which makes me think he is not quite 100% in that part of his game, which means he is not going to be as dangerous of a scrambler as he was normally, and he won't be as prone to keeping plays alive, especially rolling out to his left if he's favoring that left front toe of his. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but I've watched highlights on YouTube and Twitter, and he is definitely favoring that left foot and that left toe. So that, to me, Jamie, signals that the all-pro phenom of a quarterback known as Patrick Mahomes is not going to be 100% on Sunday. I want to back up a step and talk about him being knocked out, apparently. I read a very interesting article by a medical professional who said what that looked like to him was there's a nerve in our necks that when it gets hit, uh, it causes you to get knocked out. And martial artists use it all the time. You see it in MMA where they chop at each other's neck because you get knocked out and that's not concussion producing. Um, And he thinks that that's what it was. Now, interesting you bring up the toe because I was listening to Sal Capaccio and he was talking about a conversation that he had in an interview with actually a a former classmate of his from Syracuse University who is now hosting a radio show in Kansas City. Uh, A fellow Syracuse alumni, John, just like you. I love talking orange and bills at the same time. And by the way, shameless plug, if you haven't heard the Cuse Conversations alumni podcast, we had John Murphy, a graduate of 1978, and the Bills radio play-by-play voice on a couple of weeks. Go check that out on iTunes. I'd appreciate the cross-love between Syracuse and the Bills. Oh, that was just shameless, John. <laughs> I have no shame. <laughs> um. Anyway... Sal asked him what he thought of of the toe. And he said, well, let me tell you this. When I asked Andy Reid about the toe, he said, ah, there's nothing there. And to him, what that meant is something's there. Because what Andy Reid does when he doesn't want to speak about a certain topic he glosses over it and moves on really quickly. So the reason Andy Reid didn't want to talk about it is because it's a problem and he just doesn't want people to know. Is that going to make a difference in the game? I sure as hell think so. I think so too. I mean, he's clearly, again, a little bit wounded heading into this AFC championship. But again, knowing that he's got that turf toe, the toe injury, whatever the case might be, I want to say for the thousandth time from the rafters, Do not blitz aggressively on Sunday because that would be a bad, bad idea. And the reason why, Jamie, is Mahomes is so adept at beating the blitz. He is one of the smartest passers. He is one of the most intelligent quarterbacks out there when it comes to the schemes that are thrown his way. And as much as the Bills defenders and Jerry Hughes have talked about they need to get after and make Mahomes feel uncomfortable, yes, the front four needs to get after Mahomes and make him feel uncomfortable. But I do not want to see Taron Johnson coming off the edge. Maybe every now and then you can surprise your coverage and have Taron Johnson blitzing off the edge. But if the Bills helps with the run too. It does. No, you're right. There's moments and situations where it can definitely be a a favorable situation, but the bills cannot rely on the all out blitzes and the major blitzes to slow down Mahomes because it's not going to work. I'm just telling you right now. Okay. And to that end for the listeners, there is a kind of a, a new AG stat out there that's getting very popular. It's called expected points added. And Expected points added is kind of a convoluted thing, but each play has an expected 
is expected to lead to or take away points for your team. So when it comes to Pat Mahomes versus the Blitz, he averages 0.54 EPA, expected points added, per play. So every play he runs against the Blitz, they expect him to put up a half point. That's first in the NFL. Against no Blitz, however, he drops to ninth in the ranking. So still a top 10 quarterback. We know Patrick Mahomes is amongst the best in the game. He has been. He's going to be for years. But what you don't want to do is force him to be the best in the game at something. Let's do the thing where he's only ninth best and see how we can do. That means no blitzing. That means dropping back into coverage. Yeah, no, Jamie, you're absolutely right. I mean, I if, if you tell me someone's the best at doing something or you can make them be the ninth best at doing something, clearly I would choose the Bills defense to make Patrick Mahomes be the ninth best at those adjusted expected points added by not uh, bringing the blitz, which again will rely a lot on Harrison Phillips, Jerry Hughes, Ed Oliver, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, if he plays uh, one of the few Buffalo Bills who's on the Injury list as maybe not Um, him and Gabe Davis are, I believe, the only two who are questionable for this game on Sunday. The Bills are much healthier uh, than Kansas City heading into this injury report for the end of the AFC championship game on Sunday, whereas the Chiefs have Clyde Edwards, Elaire, Brashad Breland is questionable. Uh, Cornerback Rashad Fenton is questionable. Bills favorite Sammy Watkins uh, is questionable with his calf injury. So. There's a lot of injuries that the Chiefs are dealing with, and I mentioned Edwards Elaire. In that first matchup, Kansas City absolutely gouged Buffalo on the ground game, 245 rushing yards, but Matt Milano was not on the field, a major loss for this defense. Do you think, Jamie, the Chiefs can replicate that rushing effort uh, from week six when it comes to the AFC title game? I actually think they can, and the reason I think they can is the Bills schemed it up that way. They said... We welcome you to run because if you're running the football, you're not throwing the football and throwing the football is how you guys score points. And to their credit, the Bills shut down those lethal weapons that the Chiefs have, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Would I take that again? Yeah, I probably would because the Chiefs scored fewer than 30 points. If you're going to keep them under 30 points, I like my chances of winning the game. So I think every time the Chiefs hand the ball off, the Bills are going to look at it as a small victory. I I see them I see them replicating and getting I'll bet you they rush for a minimum of 150 yards on the ground. And that that's kind of a big day, but whoever their starting running back is, is definitely going over a hundred yards because the bills are going to allow it. Yeah, no, it, it, it's true. The bills have not had the best run defense. Although again, they played very well after the opening drive against the Ravens in the divisional round. I, I do not want Patrick Mahomes winning this game with those big deep throws and deep plays, you know, to Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, you do want to limit those big plays. And the best way to do that is again, the ground game. Well, the best way is to force turnovers and give Josh Allen the ball back. But if Kansas city, I would, I would follow the same script as letting Kansas city run the ball, knowing that the bills defense is much improved in the ground game as composed, as opposed to what they were, in week six and Edwards, Elaire, he might play, he might not play. Uh, Daryl or Darren Williams is a decent running back who has stepped up in his stead, but he again is still, uh, he's still Daryl Williams is still no Edwards, Elaire when it comes to explosiveness. He's a good back, not a great back. All right. You might see the chiefs turn to their own version of Isaiah McKenzie in receiver, McCole Hardman, who can run some jet sweeps uh, much like McKenzie can. I actually read a great article by the way, on t- from Tyler Dunn um, on how Isaiah McKenzie could be a secret weapon for the Buffalo Bills in this matchup on Sunday. And I read it and I was like, you know what? This guy is smart. The Chiefs are susceptible when it comes to those gadget type plays, which is ironic given how good they are at, depl- at deploying those gadget plays themselves. You wouldn't think they would be uh, as vulnerable, but I would love to see Dable sprinkle in some jet sweeps to McKenzie. Maybe they try some trick plays where McKenzie, you know, is involved as like, I don't know, in the, in the wildcat or 
something where he gets a, a quick pass from Josh Allen or one of those little shovel passes, but look for Isaiah McKenzie and potentially McCole Hardman on the other side of the field to have those gadget plays come into fruition on Sunday. You know, the Chiefs are so good at sprinkling those in that they don't even look like they're outside of their offense. You're going to probably see two to three plays on Sunday run by the Chiefs that we've just never seen a team run before. They do it all the time. And it's really cool to watch, to be honest with you. And the Bills are doing some of that themselves, but they're not quite as creative as as Andy Reid is with this team. And, you know, to a degree, they don't have the weapons that the Chiefs have. So they're getting close, but they don't quite have the weapons, so they can't be quite as creative. Um, and don't forget, Le'Veon Bell is on this team. He did not play last week. Is he going to be healthy? For this game, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I, he's on. He was a full participant uh, in Wednesday's practice, but did not practice Thursday or Friday with a knee injury. He is also questionable. So I, I would bet. But here's the thing, Jamie. All these players that have questionable designations, I, unless their like body part is falling off at the joints, I expect them to be out there because this is the damn AFC Championship game. You are one game away from the Super Bowl. So if they're able to play. I expect them to be out there on Sunday. And I don't know, Jamie, I, I'm really excited about this matchup. Um, I really hope that the Bills can do a great job uh, like they did with Lamar Jackson in the edge contain. I think that that's another key aspect. If Mahomes is truly nursing this toe injury, which I'm of the school of thought of you that he is, he is not fully 100%. He is not going to be his scrambling self out there. He's hurting. Uh, I think the bills can take advantage of this and they're going to have to, again, practice that gap integrity that we talked about so much with Lamar Jackson last week, uh, where the bills are going to have to stay and be, be aggressive, but stay within their lanes and not over pursue when it comes to getting after Mahomes. I, I really am looking forward to seeing how Buffalo is able to ch- uh, tackle the challenge of Patrick Mahomes in this matchup, because the last time these two teams met, the Bills followed the script of not blitzing too heavily. They only rushed four or fewer players on 31 of the 33 designated dropbacks. I'm hoping they follow that same script and let him not pick them apart with the blitzes and keep their gap integrity maintained. If they can do that, Jamie, I'm pretty confident that Buffalo will be advancing to the Super Bowl. And thank God A.J. Klein doesn't have to be out there trying to cover the running backs coming out of the backfield and Travis Kelsey going downfield. That was a horrible mismatch the first time they played. And having Matt Milano, we touched on this earlier, it's going to make a big difference in this game. So you have the Bills going to the Super Bowl. Usually you ask me for a prediction, but I want to hear yours for this game. All right, Jamie. Yes, I have the Bills Uh, not being a homer. I legitimately believe that Buffalo is going back to the Super Bowl, their first Super Bowl since they beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the 1994 AFC Championship game as part of the 1993 season. Of course, Buffalo lost the fourth of their four straight Super Bowls that year. We're hoping for a better outcome, but the only way that that can happen is for the Bills to get to the Super Bowl. I think the Bills have just as great of an offense as Kansas City does. I have said this a couple of times previously, Buffalo's wide receivers. Now, Gabe Davis is questionable. If he were out there, I'd feel better about this statement, but but the Bills can plug in Kenny Stills or touchdown Charlie, a touchdown Jesus, Jake Kumaro off of the practice squad if they need to to replicate uh, what happened with Gabe Davis's productivity. And by the way, John Brown, welcome back to the fold after his great game against the Ravens last week. The Bills can match up toe for toe with the Chiefs on offense. I fully believe that. I fully believe Josh Allen has learned immeasurable lessons from the last time these two teams met. I fully believe the Bills have the better defense than the Chiefs do. It's going to be fantastic to watch these two teams go into battle on Sunday with the coaching tree, Andy Reid and one of his disciples out there, Sean McDermott leading the Buffalo Bills. I am saying the Buffalo Bills are going to win this game 30 to 26. And you know what? It's going to take a last minute touchdown drive from Josh Allen. Boom. Punch your ticket to Tampa Bay. Whoa. Wouldn't that be 
the greatest way of getting into the Super Bowl to win it at the end like that. Oh my God. It, like, I, I, I'm not sure what I would do with myself. I would be so excited. Now, there'd be a whole new generation of, uh, of, of families started that night who named their kid Josh. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> would you change your name to Josh for the night? <laughs> For the night, sure. And you know what? If my wife and I are fortunate enough to have kids, that kid's getting named Josh, too. Nice. <laughs> Junior. Um, so Gabriel Davis, if he doesn't play or he's not 100%, that's a loss for the Bills. And here's why. It's not that he is a great down-to-down player. But what he does really well is he gets open when Josh Allen begins scrambling. He becomes a guy who comes back to the ball very, very effectively. And you saw those tap dancing catches that he had on the sidelines against against the Colts that kept moving the chains, that kept the Bills' drives alive. That's what he does well. Now, we've seen him drop the ball occasionally in the the end zone, no less. But he's a guy who moves the chains, so that's going to be a loss if he's not 100% or not out there at all. You are saying that the Bills' defense is way better than the Chiefs. I consider their defense as a wash. I, I think that they're both inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get. I, I think the Bills may – well, the Bills definitely have better players in the back end, though nobody as good as um, the Honey Badger. Um, on the back end, they have that dude Sorensen who is actually terrible in coverage, and the Bills are going to have to try to scheme up some things to try to exploit him. But the Bills have some holes on defense too. So I'm saying that's a wash. Now, when you compare quarterbacks, they have had similar seasons. Tyreek Hill is a home run hitter. Um, he's He's a great receiver, but he didn't have as good of a season as Stephon Diggs, but they're close. The one place, well, there's two places where they are not close when you compare the offenses. Number one is the running game. The Chiefs can run the ball. The Bills cannot. Bills can't run the ball. And we're going to spend all offseason diagnosing and speculating on what's going to improve that. But the other thing is they have a huge, really their first weapon, Travis Kelsey, and that is something the Bills cannot replicate. Receiver for receiver, okay, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs. Diggs is better, but it's close. When it comes to the the second pass catcher, the Bills have nothing anywhere in the neighborhood of a Travis Kelsey. And unfortunately, I think having that one big weapon, plus the ability to run the ball, I think the Bills are going to meet their match this week and this is going to be the loss that they need to spring them into the Super Bowl next year. We see it all the time. You know, in the NBA, the the Celtics needed to beat the Sixers in order to become a great team. And then Detroit needed to beat the Celtics to become a great team. And then the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan needed to eventually, after losing to them repeatedly, beat the Pistons. The Bills need to lose to the Chiefs in order to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. It's a valuable point, Jamie, that you make about the the underdog having to take your lumps and, and, and take your losses. It's nowhere near the magnitude of losing in an AFC championship game, but I still fully believe that that loss to the Texans combined with the close call scare to the Colts and the wild card is akin to Buffalo's version. Not as close again of a magnitude losing in a championship game like those NBA teams you were talking about, but I don't know. I just have this feel of Buffalo being a team of destiny. I have a feel that Mahomes is again, nowhere near the level of healthiness that we've seen from him in the past And these things, sports are unpredictable. And as much as on paper, what you're saying does make sense. And I'm taking Travis Kelsey out of the, even though he is a receiver, I'm putting him in the tight end category. The bills by far cannot hold a candle to him in the tight end category. But if you look at the receivers, I think Buffalo's receivers pound for pound are better 
than Kansas City's offensive line. I, I, you know what? I'm taking Buffalo. I like the, and I'm, I'm telling you this. There's something about Mitch Morse going back to Kansas City and wanting to prove that he is better than he was when he was with the Chiefs. He has a chip on his shoulder. There's a great article in one of the local newspapers here in Rochester talking about how much Morris wants to go out there and prove that he deserved a bigger contract from the Chiefs, who was the team he broke into the league with. Instead, he comes to Buffalo. He's going to get a chance to enact some revenge uh, on his former team uh, on Sunday. I don't know, Jamie. I wish the Bills could run the ball better, but this is a pass-first league, and there's ways to employ your backs like Singletary and Yeldon out of the backfield to make up for it, where it's almost like the quick passes are just as good as the running game would be as long as you complete them and keep that clock running. I like Buffalo to win. You're picking the Bills to lose for the second straight week, so any hate can be directed at Jamie on Twitter at the Jamie D'Amico. All praise for my positive picks based in logic, of course, not being a homer, can go to me at John Boccasino. But your what's your score prediction, Jamie? We didn't get a final score from you. Oh, you uh you didn't give me a chance to finish. Oh, I'm sorry. 38-33 Bills. Wow. What? Uh-huh. Whoa, I'm sorry. I put the cart before the horse and assumed you were going to pick the Bills to lose there. You sure did. So, so okay, so sure. I'll, 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 I'll give you your thunder back. So you mentioned the Bills and comparing them to those NBA teams that had to take those losses before they could get over the hump. Why are you? How are you then picking the Bills to win? This team just feels like a team that's going to keep advancing. There's something about their chemistry uh, about the way they love each other, the way Sean McDermott and his staff has come together, you know, from the front office on down, they're all on the same page. They're hungry and they truly believe that they're a Super Bowl team. And I just don't think they're going to be denied. I don't know how they're going to do it. They don't have as much talent as the Chiefs, but they are going to figure out a way if they play a clean game. And and you'll know right away. You will know in the first quarter if they're going to be in it. Um, it's they're if they're in it at the beginning, they're going to win at the end. If if they're if they're nervy, you're going to see it right away, and you'll know if they're not up to the task in the first quarter. But Josh Allen is going to find a way. He's going to move his legs. He's going to move the ball downfield. Their stats may not be as good, but you know, the Chiefs have a tendency, the receivers have a tendency to let balls deflect off of their hands. And this week, the Bills are just going to be in the right place at the right time, and they're going to get a couple turnovers, and that's going to be the difference in the game. You heard it here first, Buffalo Bills fans. Jamie has the Bills winning 38-33. I have it 30-26 to uh, to advance into the Super Bowl God, I hope that happens. I want to have more preview podcasts here where we can get Bills fans hyped for the truly big game of the Super Bowl. But again, we want you guys to get involved with our podcast. Share your thoughts. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What are your final score predictions here on the AFC Championship game? Get involved with us. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico on Twitter. I am at John Boccasino. You can also comment on our articles on Buffalo Rumblings or on the tweets that get put out by the official Buffalo Rumblings account. For my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico, this has been an action-packed episode of Bill Leave. I am John Boccasino signing off with, again, Go Bills! <laughs>